Amen. Well, welcome to the Calling Community Church. We're so excited that you're here this morning. Just a few uh, things real quick to uh, just give you some announcements, some things that you should know about. Look in your bulletin. For one, there are a couple things in the bulletin that I want you to hold on to. Those are those Celebrate Easter cards. Those are going to be yours to use for later on, so hold on to those. Uh, look in the bulletin. There's all kinds of things going on, and the, the bulletin is to help you kind of know about all of that. If you are a man, tonight, tonight we're going to be uh, having our fireside. As long as it's not raining, we'll do in our fireside chat at Fred Berg's house. Fred, raise your hand. Fred's right there. Men, if you're like, well, I don't know where Fred lives, we'll ask Fred. He knows where he lives. All right, it's a great place. It's a majestic backyard. You want to be a part of that. Um, just also, what's next week? Easter Sunday, all right, it's going to be an exciting day. Let's pray right now that it does not rain to next week, a week from now on this day, all right? Let's just pray that the weather is wrong and that there's no rain for that day. Uh, if you are new to us and you're like, what is this little tear-off sheet, what is that for? Well, we encourage everybody to tear that off. You can tear it off right now if you can and make sure that you fill that out. And if you have a prayer request or some information you need us to know about, please, uh, please do so. I'm going to give you some more instruction about that particular card here a little bit later on. And if you came prepared today to give, thank you so much for supporting the work of the ministry right here at this church. And we do that, uh, this morning we'll do that as you come forward for the Lord's Supper. There'll be a basket for you to drop that in along with your attendance sheet. You can drop all that in at the same time. And so that'll be good. So uh, I have a couple of guests with me today and I'm going to have them share. Just, you guys come on over here. You can be, like, be my security guards, right? Just stand on each side of me feel more secure or not just stand right there <laughs> uh, just real quick real quick just I'm going to segue into this I want to review uh, quickly about last week so we've been doing this series we've been a series of spiritual disciplines holy habits for um, for us to just grow uh, in our faith uh, draw closer to one another and be prepared to be sent out to serve and so last week we talked about stuff we talked about like just decluttering how many of you decluttered this week just raise your hand if you're decluttered Man, last week or yesterday we met and some of the people came to the thrift store down on 64th Street and we had a neat little time together and we talked about what it felt like to just get rid of stuff and to go through things and just kind of like unload some things. And, and it was good. It was so good. Matter of fact, I just want to quote the great theologian James Brown. I feel good, all right? It was so amazing to get rid of some of this stuff. But here's, here's a question, though, I want to ask you. And I, I want to just make sure that you make sure you understand what it was we were talking about last week. Does what you have belong to the Lord? So the things that you held on to, do they belong to the Lord? If he wants them, if he needs them, would you be willing to give them? Like in the story of the uh, triumphal entry we'll talk about later on this morning, the man had a colt and the disciples came and said, hey, the Lord needs this. And the guy just gave it to them. And Jesus used it. So do what, does what you have belong to the Lord? It's about proper stewardship, right? It's about using it for him, uh, the gifts that he's been given, he's given to us. And so just understanding that it's really not ours anyway. We're just here to take care of it. It's like our body, our time, and those kind of things. But what about your kids? Let me ask you this, parents. Do your kids belong to the Lord? Do you realize that you don't own them? That they belong to him? Like he's steward you, he's given them to, steward you, them to you to, for you to steward them? And so that kind of segues into, into one of my kids. This is Eliza. This is my youngest daughter, our youngest daughter. 
And this is Josh Falter, a young friend of mine. He's not mine, but I would claim him if he needed me to. And they just had the opportunity to, to travel to Guatemala on a mission trip, and they came back uh, to serve uh, to serve there and to come back to share with us this morning kind of what that was all about. So I'm going to turn this microphone on. And then, Josh, we have a few pictures uh, for you to kind of just share with people what was going on in those pictures. And then Eliza has a few things she wants to share too. So let's get that rolling up there. All right, just to give you an idea of where Guatemala is, if you didn't know, uh, there's Mexico up to the uh, left upper north part there and then Honduras and El Salvador. So there's Guatemala, and that arrow points to the city where they were at serving. So, Josh, I'm going to have you go first, so just the picture will come up. Uh, this is actually whenever we were, the last day of our trip, we went to uh, Antigua, and uh, we went zip lining and everything, and uh, there were some birds there, so that was just a bird on my shoulder. It's a pretty fun thing. <laughs> Uh, these were some of the kids that we had met there. Uh, the two on the left there, I actually can't remember the one on the right, but the one on the left's name was Jorge. Do you remember his name? Uh, yeah, the one on the right's name was Walter. Uh, it was kind of funny because we went down there, and I didn't know what to expect because I can't speak a, a speak a lick of Spanish, but it was still so fun because even without being able to speak to them, uh, just being able to play with the kids and just be around them, you're able to connect with them so much. And uh, to hear their stories, it was so powerful because, I mean, these kids have come out of stuff you can't even imagine. Um, and then the kid on the right there with uh, me and Courtney, his name was uh, David, and he was actually uh, he was one of my favorite. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the last day, I, I didn't cry the entire time. The last day, right before we were leaving, uh, I gave him a hug right before we left, and I was like kind of pulling away, and he wasn't getting his head out of my chest, and then I bent down to see what was going on, and he's, there were just tears coming down his eyes, and he was so sad that we were leaving, and at that point, I just lost it, because he was uh, one of the sweetest kids there, um, and then I don't know, I might have a picture of him. There's a kid named Jimmy there. Uh, I've told everybody his story because his just kind of hit me the hardest. Uh, one of the kids there, his name was Jimmy, and whenever he was about three or four, his mom didn't want him, so she gave him to his aunt, and then his aunt sent him out on the streets to sell bags of water, and if he did not sell enough, he would come back home, and she would take a metal rod or something and just beat him with it. And so he came to the orphanage with not like purple, but black marks all over his body. Um, and so he was severely beaten. And a lot of these kids have stories like that, or their parents have just passed away or something. Um, but yeah, these are just pictures of some of the kids there. Uh, this was, where was this? Oh, this was us. Yeah, so we, we held a lock-in on Friday night. And this was us actually handing out like kind of brochures for the lock-in. Uh, basically people from the group there, and there were uh, Cole and what was his last name? Sarah. Cole and Sarah. And one thing that I mainly learned from this trip, I learned from Cole, and it was that I live a really comfortable life, and this life I'm living isn't mine. It's the Lord's. And um, in everything I do, no matter what it is, I need to be doing it for him, and I need to fully give my life to him. And no matter what he calls me to do, I'll be the happiest I could possibly be. 
and then this next one is us whenever we went zip lining. Uh, that was just a fun thing we did at the very end there. And then that was just some scenery that we saw. Those are, uh, that's a volcano uh, that was just in the distance. This was also on our last day. This is also whenever we went into Antigua. Uh, it was a cool little arch that uh, you were walking under through the, through the marketplace. And there were so many people there, so many people. Um, but it was also pretty interesting because whenever we were there, we were there on Sunday, and so they were having a parade or something, the Catholics there were, um, and it was the most interesting thing because there were a bunch of people walking through and they were carrying a float, and there were so many people there to see that, and um, it was interesting, and it was kind of sad because so many people were uh, just searching for something in such a wrong way, but the streets were packed because of that. Um, I'm going to share a little bit more about, I won't like share about the pictures, but uh, just more about what God did in my life while I was there. Um, and if I don't read it, I'm just going to ramble, so I'll just be reading it off my phone. Um, I've been on a lot of mission trips in my life. I think the first one I went on was to Peru. I think I was like 10 or 11 or something. So I've been ex- exposed to this kind of stuff since I was really young, just poverty and like darkness in places like this. Um, but I've never been on a trip that's so, like, per, like, personally convicted me about so many things in my life. Um, so two things that I'm going to be talking about is just how the one thing I learned was um, God really convicted me about me being selfish and hiding parts of myself and not loving others well. And then also um, just I learned how to be obedient to what God was telling me to do. Um, so um, the second we got there, I just could tell, like, something was going to be different about this trip. And so bonding with the kids at the orphanage um, really was the way that God showed me what it means to truly give of yourself um, and not be selfish. And so on the trip, I had the opportunity to share my testimony. And so one thing that I really touched on was the difficulty I've had in my life when it comes to building relationships with others. I always become very anxious or scared. Um, I never really fully get to know people, just whether it's my own insecurities or just, like, fear. Um, You can ask some of my closest friends and family. I'm not a big emotional person. I don't really like to cry. I don't really like to necessarily feel a lot of emotions. Um, But, like Josh can attest, those kids made it impossible not to love them. Like, there was just no way you weren't going to be touched by them on the trip. Um, The night we left, I don't think I've cried that hard in years They don't hold back, and they aren't reserved. They give you all of their love and all of their attention, and they really taught me that when it comes to relationships, whether it's with fellow believers, your friends, or even in relationships with people you don't even like necessarily, um, they showed me how important it is to be willing to get hurt or be willing to share yourself with others because that's what God calls us to do. We aren't called to live in fear or to be selfish with our love, and it just made me realize how Jesus literally gave up everything for me, and he gives himself to all of us every day, and so there's just, like, who am I not to, like, give that back to him and to the people that he loves, and then the second thing I learned was how to be obedient, and on this trip was kind of the first time I've ever truly, truly felt God telling me to do something and then follow through and do it. Um, We held the lock-in, like Josh said, and our leader kept asking us, like our group leader kept asking if someone would be willing to share their testimony. And every time he said it, 
my sister or someone else in the group would be like nudging me like, oh, you should do that. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then the, he was like, Eliza, I really think you should do it. And I said, oh, well, I'll pray about it. Like, yeah, I'll pray about it. And like, I didn't really, I really like wasn't going to because I knew I didn't want to. Um, but then I just had some people in my life really encourage me to actually pray about it. So I, for a whole week, I really just got wise counsel, and I really did just, like, lean into God about what I was supposed to do, and I was actually kind of angry that I did that because I knew that I was supposed to talk, and I don't like talking in front of people. So when we got there, I still hadn't really figured out what I was going to say, and so I started praying to God again about what I was supposed to say, and again, I got mad because God was telling me to be really vulnerable and really just open myself up and share just all of my story with them. So um, that's what I did, and I just have never, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but after that, the two leaders in our group, like the translator and Cole, who led our group, he just really expressed to me how much it meant to him that I would share my story with them, and he knew of multiple people in the audience that uh, were just crying while I was speaking because they could really relate to my life. Um, so if I hadn't have put myself aside and my own desires aside and stayed in my comfort zone, I wouldn't have blessed people by that and I wouldn't have been blessed by that. So um, that's something I, and just like my dad said, like my love that I give to people and my story and everything, it all belongs to God. So I just need to use that for his kingdom because like, I can't, it's not for me. Um, and so just one thing, I just encourage you guys to pray for our team as we're back in America because it's really hard to uh, adjust back. And I can already tell in my life and I know in some of my friends' lives that went, the enemy is already at work trying to discourage us, trying to tear us down. Uh, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and we learned so much, and we have so much joy from this trip, and I can just really feel him trying to work in our lives and discourage us, so if you would just keep us in your prayers, that would be awesome, but yeah. Thank you, sweetie. She is the uh, introverted one <laughs> in our family, but she does such an incredible job. Let's roll through. I don't know if there's any more pictures there. Um, just wanted to show this picture real quick because these are two of the young ladies that attend our church, and they are getting ready to go to uh, the Dominican Republic with uh, Northland Christian School, which is where Eliza has been before, and so is Emma. And uh, so just to let you know that they are a part of our church, and they are getting ready to to go out this, uh, this summer. As soon as school gets out, they'll go. And Aaliyah on the left, she went last year, and so she'll have an opportunity to travel with her sister, and so a special family to our church. All right, we're going to use the slides today um, because we're going to be talking today about the ministry of the mundane, and that is the practice of servanthood. And I thought it was great that these young people had the opportunity to, to give an example of what it's like to serve and to go and to be um, used by the Lord to bless, um, to bless other people. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I thought it was so good for them to share. Here's a quote from Emma, our 21-year-old our daughter who wasn't able to be here today, but she'll share a little bit more about her story in a few weeks when we talk about submission. And she said, I learned so much about loving others and being a blessing, but also about obedience and preparing our hearts in prayer for the calling the Lord has on our life. 
having a send me servant's heart and being willing to respond when we are called to serve. I am so excited for what is next and where the Lord is leading me. And Eliza, she shared this quote on, uh, on Facebook. It's from a song by this lady named Stephanie Gretzinger. I don't know if you've ever heard of Stephanie or not. Uh, but she, this is a lyric from the song. It says, stir in me a love that's deep, a love that's wide, a love that's sweet. And help me, Lord, never to keep it to myself. I want to stay close to you. It's really that simple. I want to stay close to you my whole life long. And I want to challenge you this morning, if you really want to stay close to him, the best way to do that is by loving and serving them. When I say them, I mean the people around you, the people closest to you today, the people you'll come in contact with some other time in your life, whether it's on a mission trip or whether it's in the grocery store. But if you really want to stay close to God, love the people that he loves. Serve the people that he serves. It's, it's that simple. It's not a complicated message. Because I promise you that every time I pour myself out loving someone else, I'm never disappointed by that. And I always sense a greater uh, closeness and, and a, this nearness to God that comes when I do that. And it does require to put self aside and to put others before me. Well, listen, you don't have to leave the country to be a servant. That's good news, right? Because we're not all able to do that. But you might just have to leave your comfort zone. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to say might. You will have to leave your comfort zone. You'll have to leave the little circle, the little box, whatever it is that you're in, and you'll have to step outside of that and become uncomfortable. Let's go to the next slide. So, if you don't go to all these other places, go across the street to your neighbor. Go across the room to a stranger. Maybe go across the room right here in this church. Maybe look around and say, hey, I don't want anybody to feel like they're alone today. I want to make sure that I'm welcoming people in. You know, I, people say, hey, Brady, the church feels welcoming and loving and people feel close and they feel friendly. I hope so. Because that's who I am. And so take on that characteristic. Be friendly. Look around and say, who can I bless today? Who can I uh, bring a smile on their face today? How about go across town and share a meal with a widow? Maybe there's someone who's alone and they don't have anybody else to, to love them. Uh, this is a challenge, and I'm not really good at this, but go visit the nursing home. And walk around and just talk to someone. If you have a gift, a skill, like a musical talent or whatever, go sing. Go share. Go play your instrument. Do whatever it is to, to bless someone else. Go around the block, park, and talk with a homeless person or persons. A week or a half ago or so, God led, uh, led me just right by the path of these three uh, young people that were homeless. They had nowhere to go. And today, they are involved in the young adult program here at Hillcrest in Platte City. These young people went from having nothing to having a, furless, a fully furnished apartment, job opportunities, uh, educational opportunities, just because I was willing to go around the block and stop and talk to them. Now, 
I'm not, I'm not saying that to pat me, myself on the back. I'm only saying that it's just, a, it's just one way, one thing you can do. If you're a single mom or a single woman, I don't su- suggest you do that, you know, on your own. You might be bold and brave and maybe you can do it. But if you have somebody else with you, then I encourage you to do it. You see what I'm saying? Don't be, don't be um, unsafe. Don't be silly about it. But be, be bold and courageous and step outside your comfort zone. Now, I don't pick up every homeless person on the street. But I did pick them up, and I said, hey, I don't know you. You don't know me. But if you trust me, I'll trust you. Get in. Let's go. And they are like, we don't have any other option. So they jumped in, and we went. We drove up to beautiful little Platte City, Missouri, completely different place compared to where they were at in, the, in downtown Kansas City. And now God's used this program. Hillcrest, by the way, which is a program we sponsor as a church to bless these young people. It's pretty crazy. Go with Brady Rogers on an outreach adventure in the city. You want to go on a mission trip without leaving Kansas City? Go with Brady down into the city and uh, do an outreach and reach out to others down there. Go see my wife at Parkville Women's Clinic. Go volunteer to rescue unborn babies. Just give your time. Serve, you know, put clothing up and and, uh, clean or do whatever it is that, that you can do to serve. Go to Hillcrest. Because we do support them. Go serve in the thrift store. Volunteer there. Go see Joe. Joe Leathers is back there. Joe volunteers at the thrift store. Or maybe get involved where their apartments are at. Help clean. Or maybe just go and take a meal to these three young people that uh, I was telling you about. Go volunteer at the treasure chest on a Wednesday night. Justin, where are you at? There's Justin. Raise your hand. Justin's back there. Big, tall guy. Go see Justin. He'll get you on the, he'll get you on the list. And you can serve at the treasure chest on Wednesday night and, and, and feed people who are hungry. And you want to get really serious? You want to take it to the next level? The very bottom of the screen, careportal.org. I encourage you to visit careportal.org. And it is a system um, that has been designed by the church to help Division of Family Services deal with families that are, have kids in foster care. Or families that are trying to get their kids back from foster care and reorientate them back into the family. And a lot of times they have needs that they have to meet in order for that to happen. And, the, and the, the government, the system was broken and they weren't able to do it themselves. They don't have the budget for it. So they said, will the church help? The church of Kansas City, the church of the United States. Because this is in different states now too. So here's how this works. I get an email when there is a need in our area, whether it's Platte County or Clay County, and it says, here's a family, they tell us the story, they're trying to get their kids back, but they need a, a twin bed and some bedding for their, for their kid. Can anybody help? And then the churches that see these emails, if they can help, they say, I'll take that need. It's almost like they walk into the door and the church steps up and says, takes their hand and says, I'll take care of this for you. And they work with the, the, the Vision of Family Services, so, the social worker, to meet the need. It's pretty amazing. Here's the deal. I want to share those needs with you. Because we're better together. When there's more people who know about it, the more resources we have and the more needs we can meet. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. If you say, Brady, I'm interested in this. I, want, I would like to know about the needs. It doesn't mean you have to meet every need that you see, but if you can participate, we'd love for you to do that. Here's what I want you to do. On your attendance sheet, I want you to write down your email address and I want you to circle your email address and that means you're in. Count me in, all right? 
Now, now here's what will happen. When I see the need, I will forward it to you just for you to at least pray about the need. Or if you can meet the need, then you'll, say, you'll respond back to me and say, Brady, I can actually help with that. I have three beds. I only need one. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. You'll see the need. If you can meet it, great. If not, just pray. That's fine. There's no, there's no pressure for you to meet every single need. That's my heart, and I just have to learn not to do that because I can't do that. We have a budget as a church, but the more people who participate, the more, the more that money can be spread out and to help other people. So, also, this might lead you to, to decide, you know what, I want to be a foster parent. I want to welcome kids into my home. I know a lady who would take babies, and she would love them and pray for them until they were healthy, and then they could get them adopted. That's all she did. Every week, she'd take a new baby, and she'd pray. Sometimes it'd be for weeks that she'd have them. She couldn't do much, but she could do that. Or it might be that adoption is on your heart. You say, you know what, I want to know more. How can I be a family that can be ready to go when a need is to be met and I can take someone into my home? All right, and then go to the next slide. Practical ways to get involved right here. How can you serve at the Calling Community Church? Go to our webpage, look on the homepage, look for these beautiful faces, click on serve, and it'll come up with these things right here. It says the calling offers many ways for you to, to use your gifts and talents, actively build and participate in the community around you. Here's some opportunities. You want to know how can you serve here in the church? Click on ready to serve. It'll give you a menu. You fill it out, click it, send it. An email will come to me and I'll, I'll connect you with the right person so you can start either help greeting. You hear me say it all the time. The children's ministry is struggling because we can't get enough people to volunteer. My wife is in there today because there's not enough people to volunteer. All right, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not making you feel guilty. I'm, make, I'm challenging you. Everybody needs to do their part. Step up and serve. If you serve one Sunday and we have enough people, you'll never have to do it again until like six months later. But right now we're having to rotate people through all the time. Next Sunday is going to be crazy. Families are going to come. They're going to bring their kids and we're going to need help. Okay, so click on serve or just talk to my wife. She'll help you out there. And then you're like, well, I don't even know. How am I really gifted and wired to serve? Click on the spiritual gifts tab, and it'll lead you to an assessment. You can fill it out, take it, and it'll give you the results. And then you just uh, message me or email me and say, hey, Brady, I found out I have a gift of mercy, and I didn't even know it. I have a gift of administration, or I have a gift of hospitality. I didn't even know it. And that's one way to discover that. And then the real simple way, that's what those little cards are in your bulletin. Invite somebody to church next week. Do you know most people will come to church if they get invited to come? So there's that card. You can use it to invite somebody to church. Don't leave those cards on the floor in the church. Okay, take them with you. Give them away. Invite some. It's a real easy. It's a simple thing. Hey, we really love for you to come next week. We have plenty of seats. We love for you to be here. It's Easter Sunday. Most people will come because it's Easter Sunday. So practical ways to serve. Next slide. Jesus went on a mission trip and he left heaven and he came to earth. Look in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, I have it right there on the screen. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 through 8. It says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. 
who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, it said he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So we have this Jesus who is calling us to serve. We have this Jesus who has modeled, for, for, modeled what it looks like to serve because he would never call you to do anything he hasn't done. Right? He would never say, hey, I expect you to live this way, but yet I'm just saying it with my words. I haven't really lived it with my life. But Jesus left heaven. He, the, can you imagine what it was like when at just the right time, at just the perfect opportunity, the Father says, it's time to go. It's time to go. Well, how am I going to go? Well, you're going to go in the form of a baby. That's weird. <laughs> and you're going to grow up and you're going you're to learn what it's like to live on the earth like every other human being has ever learned to live. You're going to have blood in your veins just like every other human being that's ever lived. And then eventually you're going to sp sp spill that blood <laughs> by going to the cross to pay the penalty for their sin. Doesn't seem quite right, does it? <laughs> But that is what Jesus did. That's how Jesus served. And he's not calling us to the point of shedding of blood, at least not right now. But you know, when my children were in, in uh, Guatemala, two of my daughters, two of my five kids were in Guatemala. And you better believe there's a point in me that has to realize what, what happens if they don't come back. What happens if something happens to them while they're there? What happens if somebody in Guatemala, it's not a safe country to be in, by the way. What if somebody in Guatemala decides that, you know what, these Americans are here and we don't like that, and they end their life. And I have to deal with this thought. But then I'm also, there's a part of me that's okay with that. Not that I want them to die, but I want them to die for a good cause, for a reason, for something that matters. And there they are serving. And Jesus leaves heaven and he comes to serve. Jesus comes not with a sword to wipe everybody out, but he comes with a towel on his arm to serve and to love and to model what that looks like for you and for me. And this is a beautiful picture. He humbled himself. He became obedient. And he's calling us to do the same thing, to humble ourselves. And walk in obedience. Look at the next slide. I want to share a, uh, share a phrase with you. Maybe some of you are familiar. Maybe some of you aren't. And it's this idea of what it looks like to be a bondservant. You're free to be a slave. So, so in Romans chapter 6 through 8, it, it, it unpacks a lot of this. We don't have time to go through all of it. I'll share just a little bit of... Um, Romans 6 with, with you, but, but let me just share with you some of, the, some of the reading that I did in some research when it comes to what a bondservant is. Because it's this idea of Jesus comes, he pays the price for my, my sin, he sets me free, but free to do what? Free to just do whatever we want to do or free to do what it is he's calling us to do? And so a bondservant is a slave in some Bibles, the word bondservant is the translation of the Greek word doulos, which means one who is subservient to 
and entirely at the disposal of his master. So you're at the total disposal of your master. You are a slave. Other words, uh, other translations would use the word slave or servant. The Hebrew word for bondservant is ebed, and it had a similar connotation. However, it says that the Mosaic law allowed an indentured servant to become a bondservant voluntarily. If the servant, listen to this, if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges and he shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. So it was like this, this thing that was a real sharp point, like an ice pick, if you will, just to get that in your mind. And they would take the servant and they would pierce his ear and it would mark him as a bondservant. Someone who has been set free but yet loves his master so much that he doesn't want to leave. That's what a bondservant is. Exodus 21 is where it, it talks about this. And this says, then he'll be a servant, his servant for life. Now, many prominent men of the Old Testament were referred to as servants. God spoke of Abraham as a servant. Joshua is called the servant of the Lord, as are David and, and uh, Isaiah, and also the Messiah was called a servant of the Lord. In all of these instances, this, this term servant carries the idea of humble nobility. And throughout the New Testament, the word bondservant, slave, or servant is applied metaphorically to someone absolutely devoted to Jesus. Being God's servant is an honorable position. But get this, it's not because we are such good servants. We've proven, we've proven to be okay servants, but we're not great. Definitely not consistent. I mean, our hearts are in the right place, but we're not always good. But it's not because we are so good. It's because the master is so great. Jesus is such a worthy master, right, that that's the reason why you're willing to allow yourself to be a bond servant, to say, even though I'm free to do what I want any old time, <laughs> I'm going to serve. And I don't want to go anywhere because he's a good master. And there's nowhere other place I'd rather be. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I, wanna just, I just want you to see this real quick. Because here's the deal. We can... And we are a slave to something in our life. And apart from Christ, the Bible says we are a slave to sin. We are mastered by our sin. We are mastered by our own selfish desires. That is the thing that we make the Lord of our life. And listen to what it says in Romans chapter 6. We'll just start at verse 20. It says, for when you were a slave of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. When we were a slave to sin, we didn't have to worry about the righteousness of God. We didn't have to worry about what God wants from us. We just do our own thing. And you know what? At some point in our life, we think that's easier and better than being a bondservant to Jesus. We just think it's just easier doing my own thing. 
and living however I want to live, right? And it seems easier at least for a while, but then the end it says it leads to death. So what fruit was produced then from the things that you're now ashamed of? What fruit came out of living that way? The outcome of those things is death. Verse 21. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which is, results in sanctification, being set apart and being cleaned up and being made right before God. And the outcome is, and here's the wages of that. Here's what happens when we, we're enslaved to God. The outcome is eternal life. Amen? Amen. That's the reward is eternal life. And so even though we die, we live. And we'll talk about that next week on Easter Sunday morning. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we are either enslaved to our sin and our master is ourself. We are not good gods. We, we make lousy gods. We're just not good. But if we're enslaved to God, our master is Jesus, and we know that he is good. And we know that he is worthy. And he is worth following. So remember this thought. Remember this idea. The term servant carries the idea of humble nobility. Next slide. And so today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that as the church, the body of Christ all over the world, celebrates the arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem. He comes not as a conquering warrior on a stallion, but he comes as a humble, noble, peaceful king. He rides in to Jerusalem. And just for time purposes, you can see a picture of Jesus' uh, servanthood again. When you look in, in John chapter 13, when you see where Jesus, as the king, washes his feet, the feet of his disciples as a servant. And he tells them in this scripture, he goes, you will be blessed if you do the same thing. You will be blessed in my kingdom if you learn to love like that. And he says, this is my new commandment, love one another. Love one another so good that the rest of the world wants to know why. That's the calling of the church, ladies and gentlemen. That's the calling for you to the person next to you, the person that's sitting in this room with you. That's the calling that he has for each one of us, to love like that. And Jesus models servanthood. By being the greatest, but he becomes the least. And he actually tells them in the discourse in Luke chapter 22, when you look at the triumphal entry and Jesus is talking with his disciples, he tells them the greatest among you will be like a servant. If you want to be a hero in the kingdom, then you've got to be a zero in the kingdom. And that doesn't make sense to any of us. Wait, wait a minute. I have to lose in order to win? Yes, in the kingdom you do. You have to be willing to put others before you. You have to be willing to be a humble servant. And the Bible says, when you humble yourself that way, you are exalted. As a matter of fact, in, in Philippians chapter 2, the, the last of those, those passages of Scripture that I read, it says Jesus was then exalted to the highest place and given the name that is above all names. There was a reward for his service. There was a blessing in him being a servant and being obedient and being humble. And that's what it is we celebrate 
today. We celebrate Jesus' coming as a humble servant king. We, we celebrate Jesus who was willing to, to get his hands dirty and to serve those that should have been serving him. And he calls us to love and to live just like that. And so the next slide. So we will come this morning. We will come forward. And we will take the bread and we will take the cup. And we'll remember what it was Jesus accomplished on that day. What it was Jesus was doing when he rode into town. The reason why he was there. The reason why he was born in the first place. The reason why he left heaven and came to earth. To give the greatest sacrifice. The greatest service that you could possibly ever give. And that is his life. So that we could be set free. Set free not to just do whatever we want to do. Set free to be a bond servant of the master who is worthy for us to serve and to give and to follow. And so if you're serving communion this morning, go ahead and, and come forward. If you're here this morning and you belong to Jesus, you belong at the table. You don't have to be a member of this church. There's no formal membership at our church. You maybe you've heard me say this before. If you give here, you attend here, and you serve here, then you're a member here. You belong here. And so, but if you belong to Jesus, then you belong to the table. If you don't belong to Jesus, you've never given your heart to Jesus, you never cried out to Jesus to save you from your sin, if you've never received this gift, this life that he gives you, then I encourage you to do so. Even before you come forward, just say, Jesus, I need you. I didn't realize how bad I needed you till this morning. And I need you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. I've been a slave to my sin and now I want to be a slave to you. So Jesus, come and live inside of me and forgive me of my sin. That is the gospel. That is the true, truest good news that we could possibly imagine. And so what we'll do is when they start to sing, you'll, you can go ahead and stand up really right where you're at right now. And remember, you're going to come to your right row by row. So they're going to come up the row and just release you row by row. And you're going to come forward. We have two lines. So there's a line here and a line here. Just take a piece of bread, take a cup, and you're going to hold on to it until, we, until everybody has it. And then we'll take it together, okay? Right? So if you came prepared to give, drop your gift in the offering basket. Grady, my friend Grady, is over there. He's going to hold the basket, drop it in there. Your attendance sheet, please fill that out, drop it in. If you circled your your email address, I'll be contacting you more about that. And so let's pray as we get ready to come. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're willing and able to give us all the things that we need in this world. And thank you, for Jesus, for leaving heaven and coming to earth to provide a way for us. Thank you for the salvation that comes for each one of us when we believe in you. Lord Jesus, would you meet us today here at the table? Would you meet us in this place? Would you reveal yourself to us in a deeper way today? We thank you for the gift of your life and the death and the resurrection. But we celebrate that today. Thank you for coming. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.